Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Gridiron Blitz right here on TuneIn, Google Cast, Player FM, Apple Podcasts, also on the biggest platform in podcasts, iHeartRadio. And as always, on Block Talk Radio, host Oscar Lopez here in the house today, 302. We are going to have another 2019 Hall of Fame inductee and the historic legendary Japanese uh, baller, Hiroku Betty Suzuki which I had the honor of meeting at the Hall of Fame induction ceremony in Las Vegas this weekend, which was a great event, huge weekend for me, uh, downtime as well, still busy in between all that. Um, a lot of events happening while we were there as well, international events under 18 championship in Mexico, the a clash of Europe warriors taking on the Mexican national squad in, in Mexico City. We also had international competitions in terms of championships in uh, New South Wales. We have uh, Gridiron West still in action. So we'll go detail all that in the second hour of our show. We're going to kick off with talking NFL first and foremost. Dive into the uh, No Joke Football Huddle with the uh, historic Kuroku Betty Suzuki. And then we'll move into college football and talk about a little bit of the Heisman Trophy, the trophy race as, as well as kind of kind of review as to where the college football playoff top bowl picks are going to be at here as we get into the New Year's Bowl situation for college football. We'll dive into the second hour a little bit more into college football, and then uh, as we get to the second hour at the end, towards the last 30, 40 minutes, we are going to dive in completely into women's great hour in action, international events, as well as championships coming up this weekend of crucial importance. Uh, we're talking Italy as well. We are talking uh, Gridiron West, Gridiron New South Wales. Uh, and congratulations uh, this weekend. The Vic Bowl Championship goes to the Northern Lady Raiders, and they take care of business this weekend. Congratulations to them. What an outstanding season for them. They were just a juggernaut all season. They take down the last year's champs, the Western Crusaders, and we'll dive into that in the second hour as well. But congratulations to the Vic Bowl 2019 champions, Lady Raiders, 54-26, to take down the former champs, Western Crusaders. What an event there, and you get the highlights. Everything that's happening in the women's game, you go to the number one source on social media, and that is at the hub at facebook.com forward slash Beauties. Get the lowdown right there, what's happening. Uh, all the action from Australia, all the action from Mexico, all the events that were happening, AFE um, events in Cancun the Women's Hall of Fame event in Vegas, which was I, was I was there as well. So pretty awesome weekend for everything that's happening in the women's game. Uh, I want to uh, thank our network partners out there, TS Video, uh, Tercer Cuarto, as well as uh, Steve Weed Productions out there, and all the other uh, photographers as well as uh, partners that we network all the, all the way around. Uh, the best network on the planet, that's where it's at, at the hub at facebook.com forward slash gridironbeauties. And if you haven't got a Zazzle, Head over to Zazzle right now, 20% off on everything at the Zazzle shop, 20% off. Use the daily codes there. Uh, sign up for Zazzle Black. It's about 10 bucks, and you get free shipping in the States, free shipping 
No, I have to pay for shipping for 12 months for an additional $10. So check it out. Thanks to everybody that's gone to the No Joke Football uh, shop at Zazzle.com forward slash Crayon Beauties. And today we're excited to announce our new athletes, uh, Anna uh, Betanina of Russia, and then also the talented Ellie Medoza from uh, Finland. So we are bringing them aboard as well as um, happy to be working with the additional 20 two other athletes in different countries, 13 U.S. athletes, six in the Australian swing, two in Mexico, one in the U.K., one in Finland, and now one in Russia. So thank you for those trusting us and making us grow the brand to bring awareness to women's American football. Um, so let's bring in our panel here. Uh, Luis Bean should be here in about 15 minutes, and we'll talk Hall of Fame Las Vegas with Heroku uh, Betty Suzuki as well as um, – being in terms of what happened at the uh, event there. Great game. So we'll talk about that in about 15 minutes. But right now, we'll just bring in, obviously, WNFC All-Star and uh, Utah Falcon for 2019, and that will be uh, Holly Custis in the house. Holly, how's it going? Good. How are you doing? I'm good. My Rams won. My Rams won, Holly. Thank you so much for you and your Rams. It helps my team out a lot. But, yeah, definitely a huge win for you guys. Yeah, it was just great. It's like the old team of, like, what, four weeks ago or five weeks ago? This is just a totally different team, right? I was even even shocked that we were playing that well against Seattle. I'm like, what? okay, now we're not – what happened here? Well, you know what? They they did great, and like I've said uh, uh, for about a year now, that, that team is going to go as far as uh, Gurley takes them, and uh, they handed him the ball more. He seemed a bit more healthy, which took the pressure off of golf, and he, they gave him a lot of time in the pocket to throw, uh, and so that, that was a huge difference offensively, and at the same time, like they came after Russell and in a productive way. I think sometimes teams come at Russell, but they leave the the, the uh, door open, and then that's where he's actually the most dangerous. But what they did is it was a controlled rush where they, they came at him, but they kept him in the pocket as much as possible. So when he wanted to run, he couldn't because there's people coming up right, right up the middle at him. So that pressure up the middle really helped uh, defensively as well. So it was a great game for them. Uh, Holly, what a knucklehead move by the Saints defender on Kittle. That was just knucklehead to get a face mask. I was like, why are you giving him the extra yards? You could have just gave him, you know, the yards that he was going to earn and then push him out of bounds and then force the kicker to get, you know, to put a 40-yarder over the upright. Oh, my God. That was like a knucklehead move. You know, basically, you know, part of it wasn't uh, the defender's fault because – that's what the, the Niners wanted, that mismatch, because the guy was a lot smaller than Kittle, right? So he caught the mm-hmm. pass, um, and then he hit towards the sidelines, and then it, it got to be pretty uh, funny, actually. It, it kind of felt like I saw a meme the other day that was showing a picture of the three saints on his back, and he's, like, carrying him, and the guy's, like, grabbing his face mask. And it's kind of like that uh, – uh, that storyline of when you're you're young and like you have a bunch of siblings and you're all like jumping on your dad, like that's kind of how it felt. Like he was just dragging people. As far as the center, like 
grabbing the face mask, I think, I don't think that was probably his original intention. I think he probably was just trying to grab anything he could to bring him down and then grab the face mm-hmm. mask. And I think once he was there, like Kettle kept trying to fight him off and it was just this battle that neither neither of them was going to let go. And that uh, play right there is one of the, uh, you know, most awesome plays I think I've ever seen. Just Kettle's uh, will to not go down was pretty incredible to watch. Well, um, my point is just, you know, you got 20 seconds as a defender. I mean, yeah. you could have just tackled him at waistline. He could have just, you know, tackled yeah. him at somehow waistline. But he went for the face, and then right. that, just, that was a bad move for him. So uh, the yeah. question oh, remains, yeah. Holly, is this Niner defense good enough to be a be good competition in January? Because they're winning tight games. I mean, is is the defense going to be the, the detriment, or are we looking at Garoppolo being the detriment? within close games. I think I think honestly the thing that really encourages me about this team, considering the fact that we were not very good last year. So it's not mm-hmm. like we are like the Patriots were teams that are continuously good and they know what to do to win. So for us this is really encouraging, um, is that we've won many different ways. When people have taken away our strengths, we found other ways to win. And, you know, I heard people harping on the defense uh, against the Saints, and, yes, they didn't play as great as normal. But, honestly, that has way more to do with the Saints and their game plan. And so our strength of our defense is up front. Our pass rush is probably one of the best, if not the best, in the NFL by far. And But you have Drew Brees, who gets the ball out a lot quicker. So our defensive pass rush couldn't get to him because he was getting the ball out so fast. And then they were attacking us with their tight end, Jared Cook, um, and that was killing us because it was basically using our aggressiveness against us, and they were able to find those holes. And then that only really stopped when Cook went out with a concussion. Um, Otherwise, I really think it's more of a matchup problem between the Saints and the Niners in that not many teams in the NFL have – the personnel and the game plan that the Saints have to take advantage of that part of our defense, but they were able to do that. As far as the playoffs, I'm not really concerned about the defense because even when people lose the ball on their defense, we still have continuously found ways to make plays when it matters, to make turnovers. We did it against uh, Seattle. We did it against Baltimore. The key mainly is, is Jimmy going to be able to keep the offensive flow going? And I think so far he's proven that he can do that. I think you also see the progression and that when he played against the the Seahawks, he seemed to kind of get a little flustered, um, you know, with the game on the line. But the more opportunities he's getting in that type of environment, I think he's getting more comfortable. And I think you can't, you can't talk enough about the addition of Sanders and the development of Debo Samuel. Those two outlets for him combined with Kittle have really helped him a lot. So I think I don't really think we have that many weaknesses right now other than injuries. We need to keep people healthy. Having people uh, injured has been a storyline of the whole year. And then also can Jimmy keep that uh, rhythm going in late games. So I think – I'm pretty confident right now. All right. Um, what do you think of this? I mean, the Patriots getting booed at on home field. 
as they, as well, these kids were gotta, like leading. Well, it's one of those things that um, you have a fan base that has won, like, I don't even know how many years, you know, that they've been on this from, like, 10, 15 years, right? And so the thing about, I think, Patriots fans is even when they're not good or they have a year that's, like, not as productive as normal, in the back of their mind, they know, well, it's okay if we don't win this year because we'll just be back next year. It's like if they're not winning the Super Bowl, they're in the Super Bowl. And if not in the Super Bowl, they're, like, in the uh, conference championship game. They're always competitive, right? So I think Patriots fans are getting a little antsy. Um, but I, until, like, Brady and or Belichick leaves, I'm not going to ever discount the Patriots. Yeah, and what do we say of the debacle in um, in Cleveland from from everybody's reports this week? Beckham just really doesn't want to fit in Cleveland. We already knew that that was going to happen. We talked about it, remember? You, you can't have right. a prima donna and everybody else, and then your quarterback's not on the same page, and, He's being fed the ball, and he's not getting the ball. I mean, so it's, it's either the coach is not using his talents correctly or something's going on internally over there. And I know there's injuries because apparently he had, an, he had uh, I guess, uh, a hernia injury that was uh, from a report, say. So at this point, he's, he's either not 100%, and we're still putting him out there, and he's still putting himself out there, and he's playing on a crappy team now, and he can see it. Uh, I mean – I, anybody could have told him Cleveland was not the place to go. Yeah, I think that I think that when it was off season, you know, I can see why he wanted to go there because it seemed like it was turning the corner for the Browns. But as we talked about before, they got pretty much uh, anointed, you know, Super Bowl contenders before they had done anything. And I think part of that honestly has to do with the change at coach because, you know, Kitchens is a new coach and it's his first year. And some of the progress they made last year, I think they took steps back this year because they're trying to refine their identity. Um, So there's part of that. Part of that is that they've struggled when they haven't run the ball well with uh, Chubb. And when they do run the ball well with him, it it takes the pressure, you know, off of – uh, Baker, um, but as far as like his production, you know, I was I'm not that surprised honestly because you also have uh, Jarvis Landry. You know, he's nothing to sniff at. He's a really good receiver. They have other options, so he's not the only option. Or with the Giants, he was the only option. So of course he was going to get as many looks and targets as possible, right? So there's a combination of that. I'm not surprised he wants to bounce. I think for him and his career, he look at like he played with the Giants and now he's playing with the Browns. He I think he wants to win, so I think he realizes that maybe he's in the wrong place to do that. Um, we'll see if anybody picks him up, but I wouldn't be surprised if they make a move. All right, are you surprised the Bills are quietly making a run here? Nobody's noticed them for the last four weeks. I've been paying attention as well. Uh, they are probably going to be the wild card for the AFC. Can they be some some of a threat? Yes and no. Like, I think they definitely have improved a lot. I really do. But I, I don't know. Um, I think the jury's still out because the teams that are really good that they've played, they haven't beaten. So it could be that they are, like, on a scale of 1 to 10, like they're a solid 6, maybe a 7. 
but until they start beating teams like the Ravens and the Patriots and and teams of that caliber, which you would face in the playoffs, you don't really know. And so I think the Bills are a team that will probably get into the wild card spot, and I could see them maybe stealing a game in the first round, but I don't know if they're quite built for a long-term run yet. Uh, but they're they're headed the right direction, and if you're a Bills fan, that's really what you want, considering uh, how long they have been in a drought, basically. All right, what do we say of Tannehill in uh, Tennessee at this point? Are we surprised? Maybe it's a better offense, a better fit for him than it was in Miami? It looks like this could be long-term. I think it's a combination. You have, um, you know, I'm a huge Marcus fan, so it's really hard to see him bench. But for me, I think the Titans are not the right fit for him offensively. So it's good for him long-term because I feel like he'll find a better spot. For Tannehill, I think it has way more to do with his health because when he played with the Dolphins, he didn't do terribly. He actually did, you know, pretty decent, but he kept getting injured. So the fact that he's healthy, the fact that he feels like he has a second chance, and I feel like the Titans' uh, offensive scheme fits his uh, skill set better than than uh, it fit uh, Marcus's skill set. So I think a combination of those things has really helped. Uh, plus, uh, Derrick Henry has ran the ball really well lately, so that's helped a lot, too. Um, so I do think that he's playing better. He might be a long-term fit, but he has to, I think he, as long as he plays well the rest of the season, he probably will be that person. What do we say of the Texans? Where is your uh, radar on the Texans right now? Um, I think... They are probably, you know, a playoff team that uh, loses in the in the first round is what I'm feeling out of them. I mean, I think they have some key pieces. I feel like they have a lot of talent, but right now they're they're kind of inconsistent, and that's been their their problem. Um, I think if you look at, I mean, gosh, they have some skilled people. I mean, Watt, uh, Sean Watson is one of my favorite people to watch. I feel like. You know, Hopkins is great. I love Carlos Hyde. Like, they have some awesome weapons there. Um, I think uh, defensively they're a little bit inconsistent, um, and I don't know if that's going to hold them over in the long-term playoff push, but I think they'll be in the playoffs. All right, so let's go into the huddle. We'll go back to talking uh, NFL playoffs. We'll look at some of the key AFC playoff uh, things that could happen with wildcard potentials in both AFC and NFC. But let's go into the Nojet Football Huddle, sponsored by Zazzle.com. You go to Zazzle, 20% off all through Christmas, as well as up to 60% off. If you missed the sale last week, 60% off on all T-shirts. That was a great sale. You can get a T-shirt as low as 10 bucks. So you could have taken advantage of a lot of Nojet Football gear there. So go to the uh, Nojet Football Shop at Zazzle.com forward slash cranberries. Uh, Zazzle has been our sponsor for over six years or so. So check it out. And if you are there, take advantage of the $10 for Zazzle Black free shipping for 12 months. All right, let's go into the huddle and sponsored by Zazzle.com. And we're going to be talking to the 2019 inductee, which is the legendary Toroku, Betty, Suzuki. And then we're going to bring in Bean here as well, which uh, we had a great time in Vegas. And I got to hang out with Bean for a little bit there and uh, over at the uh, Hall of Fame event. So, uh, Betty, how's it going? Hi. Hi. How are you doing today, Betty? Good, very good. Very good. Uh, thank you for yeah. coming on today. Uh, it was my pleasure to meet you in uh, Las Vegas at the uh, ceremony. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, first time, I have to 
Uh, I have a uh, translator. Okay, no problem. Uh, Mr. Uh, yeah, Mr. Mio is here. Okay. So, uh, sure. Um, just let her know it was a pleasure for uh, for myself and others to meet her and a very legendary athlete. Uh, obviously, a great career over 20 years and deserving of that honor. Thank you. So Betty, uh, what did you what did you think of the uh, the ceremony and the weekend in Las Vegas? Ah, uh, totemo exciting nice eh ishun deshita. Ne, ano dress wo present sarete sugoku kirei na kakko sasete itadaite eh ichiban jinsei de ichiban tanoshii toki wo sugoshimashita. Well, it was a very exciting night. It was one of the best nights in my life. And Betty, what did you think of the game? A very close game, uh, 28 to 20, uh, East and West, very competitive teams on both sides, uh, very talented players in the in the Hall of Fame game. I'm sorry, I didn't watch every game. I watched a little bit and very, very cold. Oh, okay, no problem. Uh, but did you like the Vegas day, uh, the event, the time there in Vegas? Did you have a good time? Yes. Uh, we went to uh, Las Vegas uh, many times because of the game and uh, uh, some party. But this time mm-hmm. is the most uh, most exciting, most very uh, good memory for me. Awesome. Well, we are very proud to have you inducted into the Hall of Fame. A very deserving career. A lot of people submitted uh, for you to be in the Hall of Fame. So, uh, you know, a lot of people very uh, excited that you were honored uh, and be part of the class of 2019. Thank you very much. So, Betty, uh, what are we going to do now? You're retired. Uh, Is there anything for you that you're doing now that you're going forward besides football? Yeah, I, I'm not interested in uh, the coaches, and I don't like to teach. I want to just play. Uh, because uh, no more play, I don't um, stay football world, and I want to mm-hmm. move to the uh, bodybuilding world. Oh, okay. So you're going into a different uh, sport or different uh, different uh, uh, capacity in terms of other things besides football? Yes. All right. Well, sounds exciting. Is it going to be in Japan, or are you going to be traveling? Yeah, traveling uh, everywhere. Traveling? Okay. Yes. So that that sounds great. Um, is there anything you want to tell the uh, the fans that uh, that were not in Las Vegas uh, about the Hall of Fame ceremony and the event and everything that happened in Vegas? Um. Eh, in Japan, あ、日本でアメリカンフットボールを学んで、それを元にアメリカに来てたくさん活躍することができました。1年目から and the coach in Japan taught me all the basics in the, you know, football technique. 
with that background in Japan, I was able to have a successful career in the U.S., even from my uh, first year in the U.S. So I'm uh, very thankful, thankful for the uh, courses in Japan. Can you ask her? Yeah. Can you ask her? How was it to be uh, kind of? I know she was like an owner at some point, also right in the in the uh, league in the history, also kind of a I think ownership in the league in certain teams. Uh, I know she played for a lot of the Southern California teams. あ、フォローしてくれて、そして、え、20年間やれたことはすごく私にとって幸せです。最後自分がオーナーになって、えっと、そのチームで優勝したかったけれども、重優勝で終わったことが最後の心残りです。だけれども、え、外人であって、え、
How how are they? Are they friends, family? Um, my friend, my friend is a uh, only Japanese professional bodybuilder, Hiretada Yamagishi, and my boyfriend is a Miyos um, Sashiro. He is a world famous uh, bodybuilding coach, and my uh, and one one more my friend for uh, working for our uh, computer system. Oh, okay. Uh, do you all live in California, or do some of them live in Japan? No, uh, California and Las Vegas. Oh, Las Vegas. Well, it was really cool. I was noticing that they really seemed to like the pie. <laughs> <laughs> they, were, they were there at the very end still having pie, and that's when I had the pie. <laughs> so that was great. <laughs> Um, do you have a favorite team that you played for? You for women. You had so many teams. Do you have a favorite? Um, every team I have a um, big, big, big memory. I couldn't choose one, but uh, uh, my first year is the Florida. That's a very interesting because uh, um, I lived in, I lived in uh, team house, and everybody uh, stay team house. But I couldn't speak that one team. Okay. Uh, do you have a favorite uh, teammate that stood out to you <laughs> that just really made an impact on you? More and more difficult for me. That's a very difficult question. But every team, um, everybody, uh, very kindness for me. And the uh, coach is very kindness for me. I he, I can't choose one. You can't choose. All right. Um, okay. So then, uh, what was the hardest part about being the best part and the hardest part about being a Japanese player in America? Um, English and the body size. English was the hardest, and what was the other one? Well, uh, the hardest was the English and the uh, size of the body, you know, the American player is much bigger than, you know, she is, the Japanese players. So that was another difficulty, too. Okay. Very cool. Um, so tell me, you, you said that you re- that you liked the evening, the evening was great. Was there any one part, my favorite part of the evening, I had two parts, was the haka dance and uh, just hearing the inductees speak. Uh, so, did you have a favorite part? Congratulations on being uh, inducted. I, I definitely think it's well deserved. Um, and I've seen you around at some of the uh, camps and all-star games. 
And I noticed that the, for a while you had uh, some cameras following you around, I think, from uh, maybe from Japan. Um, how was that reception back home with, uh, with your uh, friends and family back home? Were they excited to watch you play? Yes, my family is uh, crazy, uh, exciting, and uh, mm-hmm. my friend, yeah, my friend and my Japanese football fans, my Japanese football player, uh, very, very uh, exciting. Very cool. Um, sorry, uh, when you came over. Sorry, this time. What was that? TV show. I couldn't bring it. Oh, it's okay. I think that's really awesome that you were able to do that. Um, I just thought that was really cool when I saw that. When you have played and, and come over and spent a lot of time in the U.S., what surprised you the most about uh, playing over here? I played football in Japan five years, um, but mm-hmm. not big different. But uh, mm-hmm. I, I was very surprised. Uh, um, everybody knows football um, rule. And Nihonでは、アメフトがあんまり盛んではないから、みんなに友達に頼んで頼んで試合に来てもらってたけど、みんなが来たいって言ってることが一番驚いた。Well, in Japan, the football is not popular sport in Japan. So I have right. to beg the friends to come out to see me on the play on the game. I have to, you know, ask so right. many times for one my friends to come to the game. But here in the States, so many fans come to see the, you know, football, football game. That's, you know, right. what I was most surprised about. Oh, yeah, that, that makes sense. Um, and in your long career, do you have a moment that was your funniest moment that you've experienced, or what was the most funniest moment that happened in your career? でかい、みんながハロ、ハワイ、ナシミチュ、マイネームでサムシン、言ったんだけど、それで、うんと、一人の選手が、私の名前は何とかです。EQって言います。EQって何ですかアースクエイク。で、もう一人の選手が、私の
Right. That makes sense. <laughs> um, that's really cool, though. I think you probably had a lot of moments where, uh, you know, learning things in English and translating them back and forth between English and Japanese probably was interesting. Um, overall, what do you feel like the future of women's football looks like? You know, the last season, the Adidas became the uh, main sponsor for the uh, women's league. And that was, you know, very exciting and a very big step. And I think that we will become, you know, much, much better in the future. I totally agree. I think that's awesome. Uh, well, that's all the, the questions I have, so I'll pass it over to Oscar. But I did want to tell you that I always thought that you were awesome and brave for coming to the U.S. and, and playing, and I definitely respect you. Thank you very much. Thank you. Heroku, uh, what an honor, and uh, it was a pleasure to meet you in Vegas. And what a legendary uh, history of playing in American football, and all of us in the States as well as in the world at this point are very honored that you uh, got the induction into the 2019 Hall of Fame. Very deserving. Uh, you will be known for a long, long time, and uh, you obviously have impacted a lot of lives, not just as an owner but as a player too, and plenty of teammates. Uh, great things to say about you and what a great competitor you were. So thank you for making the time today to have us to interview you. Thank you very much. All right. Have a great night. Thank you to your translator as well for helping us out with you. And uh, we hope to uh, see you in the future and maybe another interview at this point. But uh, other than that, safe travels and make sure you uh, have a great time left over in Vegas. Thank you. Have a great night. Good night. Good night. All right. So, Louise, uh, you saw her front and center. I got to meet her and shake her hand, and I got a picture with her as well. So I was kind of kind of tickled pink. You know, uh, a lot of players that I had either just watched or either still photos, and it was kind of surreal for me to be there with all the uh, amazing, talented athletes that were part of the weekend as well as those inducted. Yeah, you know, I, she was in a beautiful gown, Um I'm amazed at her, the amount of years that she played and that she was in the U.S. and the language barriers that obviously could have happened. I remember in her speech she said she knows more English football terms than she speaks English. And then the other funny part I remember that you probably remember is that she speaks better English when she's been drinking. (laughs) And so she was We all do. (laughs) <laughs> so uh yeah she was pretty funny um but yes i really enjoyed listening to the different uh inductees with their in speeches their acceptance speeches and then it's like i told my sister today who's been a part of the falcons a player and admin i was like yeah i met oscar for the first time she's like wait you have never met oscar and i said no we have never <laughs> so, met people i kept asking me that question you know Bean? i said i have no idea what Bean was until today <laughs> <laughs> I know. So, I mean, you just meet. That's crazy. why I love that. Event. I know. I just love that event. I'm so glad you could make it out this year. 
it's just obviously, and Holly's been a part of it too, where you just get to meet people from all over, and some of them your Facebook friends and you'd never met, and obviously I've been a part of your show, not just as a co-host, but as a as an interview, and I mean, Brian, the MC, uh, and also the uh, caller of the game, I mean, just people that you see through football on social media and players that you've heard about, because Holly, I would say there was quite a few first timers to play in the game because Rick had right. us raise our hand. And so you just meet more and more people and, and you just don't have those same opportunities in the league all-star games. I mean, you, obviously you get to meet new girls all the time, but for some reason it's really cool just to be able to, I don't know, it's almost like reaching across the aisle. <laughs> I mean, like the Democrats right. and the Republicans, something like that. Cause the leagues, you only play against each other in the leagues. And so then you get to play against so many different people and play with people that you wouldn't play against. And, you know, you come together. The first day of practice is always a little rough, it seems like. Then by the second day, you're coming together and, you know, and just all of that stuff. And the Hall of Fame people, that, half of them I'd never heard of. And and how would I have? Because some of them are long-time, old-timers, people from the East that, you know, it just, it's just pretty cool. So, um, I'm really glad you're able to make it. And I thought, Holly, I don't know if you know this, but Oscar, he did the toast uh, at the dinner. Oh, awesome. So that was awesome. I know. He got to make the toast speech. And then he also accepted and said some things about B.J. Coletta um, mm-hmm. and her in his life. That was pretty awesome. And then Coach Rick had him come in and do a, the little pregame speech in the locker room for the West. And so mm-hmm. that was so yeah, he was uh he was all over the place. He he, he couldn't stay awesome. up late. He so yeah, it was pretty cool. So <laughs> so being like I said before, you know, a great event. Uh, I talked to everybody. Uh, great job between you and everybody on the committee. I mean, it was a great weekend. I, I I really had a great time. I even got to spend time with my family after the the game. Went out to dinner and they were blown away of all the things that are you know uh, that the sport is and where it's at and they weren't even aware that it existed just like every every other person you probably talked to at this point but they were kind of blown away um but overall it was a great weekend i mean i got to see practices um i got to go to the lobby to chat with players i got to go downtown vegas for a little while like i said i get to spend time with my family and on top of that i got to see the game um but you know hats off to the to the uh uh, San Diego Sports, um, San Diego Sports uh, Digital Imagery. I mean, they were they oh, were yeah. great. I I went out there and I I gave them my, uh, you know, my attaboys to them and I explained to them that you know they're making history, uh, based on what they did last year, with the rebellion and what they were they're able to do with the fall, uh, Hall of Fame game here. I mean, uh, on a professional level and you can watch it. If everybody watched the game on Facebook, uh, uh, once it was uploaded, it seemed very professional, well done. And it was an exciting game at that too. It was, you know, 20 to 20 all the way down to the wire. So, uh, I mean, hats off to the players for making it a competitive game. Oh, yeah. I can't even think of anything. I, I mean, and I'm part of behind the scenes. I know there's always little things that go on behind the scenes that you're trying to make smooth and you're just trying to problem solve. But nothing mm-hmm. stuck out, stuck out as noticeable other than people wanted it to be shown live. And right. uh, Las 
it's just their school system has really weird strict rules about streaming and so that's why we haven't gone to another location and they it and so when people make comments on social media about it they're just ignorant and they don't know what's really going on behind the scenes so this year we we're just glad that we could that um sam was able to it's get still a great, you know it's still a great field to have it just record it and then edit it and upload it so it's not going to be a big deal you're still going to get the full game and the game was so well done that you didn't even know that if it was live or not. It was just replayed, and you could see the game start to finish. It also gives the players an opportunity to completely go back and watch themselves, which is really cool. Yeah, for sure. And most people watch the, the things like that delayed anyways. I mean, people listen to this show right. delayed. So I just saw a lot of comments about it, and, you know, that they're just poo-hooing it. And I'm just like, seriously, you just really don't As know. As we grow, and, just like I told everybody at the event, you know, as we grow every year, as we make, a, you know, every committee is going to come up with some sort of improvement every year because from what the other committee saw and did or has or has put in place, it's just a matter of us kind of like growing every year and adding something different and then making it yep. worthwhile to be there. Um, and, you know, these are logistics, and the logistics are going to tune themselves out at some point. We're going to get better at it. You know, at some point you're going to get some sort of equipment that you're able to do something that you're not able to do at the facility. We don't have the means currently right now, but we did have the means to record it and then upload it and get a full game stream. Uh, it's no different than Legends Football League. It's what Legends Football League does. They, you know, they mm-hmm. pre-record it, they edit it, and then they put it right out there. So we did no yeah, different than any other than any other league would have done if they had the resources. And given our resources were limited. We were able to do that, and like I said, thanks to San Diego Sports uh, Digital Imaging for doing a great job. Well, and you already know this is the third year of the game, and there was over 200 applicants. And so, if you could, mm-hmm. it, it, I think it keeps feeding itself every year. It's almost, oh, yeah. you know, becoming a monster in a sense that uh, you know, girls start asking, "Hey, you know, it's gonna, is it going to happen this year?" And so, yeah, you know, it's just going to get. The returning people that want to do it, the new people that want to do it, and the the, the coaches that are going to want to do it, and yeah, I mean that East team, they had some little tricks up their sleeve. Um, oh yeah, crazy very talented. Plays. I mean, like I said, uh, some of the Cleveland Fusion players are really great. Uh, new York Wolf players out there as well. So there was a lot of talent out there. And then on the other side, on the West Coast, you had a lot of Majestics and Falcons and a mixture of you know surge players as well. And then uh, Hats off to MVP Liz Landry, as well as, uh, you know, uh, Deanna uh, Guidry as well on one side of the ball. And then you had, on the other side, you had uh, Danielle Yala just standing out there as QB. So it was a great game all the way around. Yep. We still miss you, Holly. Do I need to say that again? We can still say that. <laughs> say it again. Holly. Holly, we missed you. Yep. Did she hop off? Okay. Oh. Sorry. Sorry about that. I was on mute. What were you saying? I just said we still missed you. The linebackers were uh, – it was a solid linebacking core, but, you know, we still miss you. It's like you you want to get together with the same people that you did it the year before, and then you add in the new ones, and so, yeah, it's pretty cool. And we had a lot of the same coaches oh. from the year before. But, yeah, uh, I mean, it looks like everybody had fun. Um, you know, I'm sad I wasn't able to go, but um, I did have fun in Houston on the sidelines of the Houston and Patriots game, so – I was still having fun, just not in Vegas. <laughs> yeah. I got to ask Oscar. Oscar, uh, what was it? Who, out of all the people that you met, 
that you heard about or read about or interviewed? Was there anyone that stuck out to you like, okay? I think the, the most uh, exciting thing that I got to see was really uh, Andrea because I, I had heard about everything about her, and I got the privilege to uh, sit down with her uh, in an evening for almost two hours and just chatting away about life and her experiences and everything else. So it was kind of like a, you know, a nice sit down. So that's the one thing that I take away from the weekend is I finally got to see her live and met, meet her and speak to her, which is uh, actually a, very uh, awesome for me. Mm-hmm. That's, okay. Yeah. She's a very cool lady. Yeah. And then I got to see, uh, you know, a, a bunch of talented players that I've never got to see, you know, uh, Mackenzie Tolliver got to see her live and play and what a beast she is, you know, and then, who 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 would have seen uh you know, I, I always had heard about uh Gidry, you know, I saw her on film and everything else, but when you see her live, I mean just a monster. I mean you just mm-hmm. it's a it's a it's a train wreck. You, you try to tackle yeah. her, that's the bottom line. She had a catch uh, just before halftime, I don't know if you remember that, that was like, Whoa, mm-hmm. that's Dell Beckham kind of catch, so yeah, she's Bane, a good player. How could you miss Landry in the corner? I was like looking oh at that. How did you throw that over? Throw over Landry right open. Just barely. But we came back and we fixed that. Came back and fixed that. <laughs> oh my gosh, I couldn't. I couldn't stand it. She's thinking. Ran a great Holly, little pattern. Holly, I just put Bean on the podium just after a game. How did you miss that corner <laughs> throw? Right, look at her. All politically correct. It, we did come back and get it right. So. Chill. Oh, yeah, Holly, it was like uh, second down. We were running a two-minute drill drive just before half. She runs a perfect post corner, fakes the girl out. I throw it up over yep. the top, and when I threw it, I'm like, that should be perfect. And then it just was right, I, I, right like six inches off of her fingertip. So then yep. on fourth, oh, down, no. fourth and ten, we decided to do like a stop and go. And then it was just uh-huh. perfect and forward, and there was much joy mm-hmm. and rejoicing. <laughs> Yeah. Well, there you go. Yeah, we were, you got I was it up right. in the booth at the time, and I'm like, "How did you miss that?" Because I was in that white corner, and even Brian looked- said she just overthrew her. Look at that, the fingers just. <laughs> oh man, it hurt. I was like, "How did I just miss that?" That was like six inches, you know. And so anyway, yeah, it was really so hey, close. Oh, but it happened. But she's so talented. Landry's so talented on on route running, and I mean, she's just so oh, talented. Yeah. Yeah, all the receivers were very talented. She's just got a little more height. She's a little more, yeah. Uh, yeah. a little bit more taller and, and built. But all of them, I mean, Coach Rick asked me at one point over the weekend, who do you like to throw to the most? And I said, all of them. I, I love them all. And, and actually, yeah. I was very proud of the fact that I threw to all of them. And it's not like I'm thinking to myself, oh, I'm going to try and throw it to so-and-so. It's just a matter of you're just trying to execute and the coverage and, you know, who's going to be right. open. So I just felt good that everyone got to – catch a ball and stuff like that so all right Holly so uh, technically you're going into a non uh Odell Beckham situation so which is good for you I guess going into a non-Odell situation yeah because you're going to the Falcons it's not like you're going to a lot of you know what I mean you're going to kind of an elite team where you were going you're able to I was like wait we're talking about Odell again yeah (laughs) Scaring you, didn't I? I, I was scared like, you right there. You're like, no, I was. What team? Well, like, you wait, forgot like, what team we you're t- going to next year. 
No, 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 no. I thought you were just talking about Odell, like literally Odell again. And I was like, wait, like I thought we talked about Odell. Wait a minute. No, no, I'm really excited. Like I'm, like I'm not going to the Browns. Like I'm basically going to the Patriots. So I'm happy. <laughs> the Browns aren't calling well, Ollie, but if they called, you'd go to the Browns. I can tell you that right now. <laughs> What'd you say? I said the Browns aren't calling, but if they did come calling, I'd say you'd go to the Browns. That's my call. <laughs> it's a lot of zeros Holly came down to our uh, our first uh, Falcons camp, and so she had a great time. And she flew in and flew out the same day. So, yes, uh, and, I'm gonna warrior. Be, I'm gonna be racking up the mileage. If anybody wants to send me so their did, miles, did you get a sponsor, I'll, I'll Holly? Did you get Southwest to sponsor you? Did you pitch it out to them? Oh to no! In and out of Utah. <laughs> not, no, not yet. Uh, I'm probably going to fly in uh, Delta a lot because I think they have a hub out there. Uh, oh, nice. Delta seems to be, yeah, Delta seems to be where I'm probably going to fly in and out a lot. Uh, but it's going to be fun. I had a great time. It was, you know, a long day, uh, but it was worth it. Everybody's so nice, you know. Um, and welcoming everybody worked with me and that was something I was really impressed with was that all the coaches all the players were just so helpful with everything and it was a really positive experience for me and so I'm really excited for this season awesome all right um, guys let's talk college football here Um, who's uh, Bean who's your Heisman runner-up is it Burrow still or who who are you taking right now Oh, I still think Burrow will win it. Um, it's interesting that uh, they got a defensive end in there. I'm not sure when the last time they've had a non-skill position player in there. Um, I actually think, oh, man, you know, the Ohio State quarterback's really good, and Ohio State's just really good. But my vote is I think Burrow's will go one because LSU's just awesome. And – I think Jalen Hurts will go, too. That's what I think. Holly, are you taking the DN at a high note or not? Are you sticking no, with quarterback? No, I, I'm sticking with Burrow because, you know, I, um, you know, as I was saying earlier in the year, I think LSU is the best, the most complete team. I know that people in Ohio State think that they have the most complete team. I think LSU has the most complete team. So I, I'm really excited to see if those two teams end up in the, in the championship because I think it would be a, an awesome matchup. Um, I I think that I would have to go Burrow one. Um, I think honestly I'm going with Bean. I think Jalen Hurts has, has really proved a lot too, uh, considering you know when they were down by what like three four touchdowns against Baylor, and and he put them on his back and brought them back and. He just has – he's very gritty, and I think if you take him um, out of Oklahoma, they're good, but they're nowhere near where they're at right now. Um, I think Justin Fields is great, but I think he maybe is about a year off from being even better. I think uh, Chase Young is great, um, but I'm not quite sure. Like, I didn't really see as much from him um, out of this last game that uh, I, w- I was hoping for. Uh, in the Big Ten championship. So that might have been probably because they were doubling him a lot. Um, but uh, I think he's great, but I don't know if he 
is Heisman great? Because in order to not be a quarterback and win, you have to be so great that like nobody's even close to you. So I would put Burrow one, Hurts two, Fields three, Young four. Uh, I think where everybody's kind of in that boat agreement because everybody else that I saw right. on the major pretty much in the same boat. Um, Bean, uh, Alabama is not in the playoffs, so they'll be in the Citrus Bowl. It's the first time since the uh, playoff began that Alabama will not have the chance to play for a national title. Oh, poor Nick Saban. I just feel poor. You know, so sad. Pious paid coach. What's he going to do with all his money now? But um, I, I He still has ambitions, bad. Bean. The Citrus Bowl is where what? he wants to go. He still has yeah, ambitions. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh I think it's I I I'm sad for Utah because well, Holly. Um <laughs> happy for Holly because Oregon won. Sad for the mm-hmm. state of Utah, even though I'm not a Utah fan, but I am they were right on the cusp. They were looking in. They were looking in the window and they choked. <laughs> but Oregon played well and Utah I thought it'd be a closer game, but um, and it was on during the Hall of Fame dinner. So <laughs> one of the other committee members was just getting updates and selling their phone. Um, so yeah, it's a bummer for the state of Utah, but I think it'll be exciting. Still, the games will be exciting and fun to watch. I don't, I don't feel bad for Alabama at all. So LSU's good. I think they're going to win it. Yeah. I just think they're going to. Well, Holly, it's a Harbaugh versus Sabian. We've had this dilemma before. Harbaugh, we've always we've started to question about, you know, can he take this Michigan team at the in the middle of the season? Everybody was questioning whether he's going to even get to a bowl game, right? Now he's here, so we got Saban and Harbaugh basically in the Citrus Bowl matchup. I think that's actually a good matchup because you look at the two teams and you have Alabama, who's been so good for so long. But even before Tua got hurt, I felt like they were kind of missing a little bit uh, compared to the previous Alabama teams. And I think it really boils down, in my opinion, to the fact that uh, Saban's been so good that a lot of his assistants have lost for head coaching positions, and he's able to to fill those gaps with uh, new people, up-and-coming people, and then they leave. And he's been able to have basically next-person-up mentality when it comes to his coaching staff. But I think the last couple of years, um, that's starting to take a toll, the recruiting, um, the fact that like uh, schools like Clemson and Georgia and Ohio State um, are getting more competitive with Alabama with the recruiting. That's hurt a little bit. So I think Alabama, honestly – is right where they probably deserve to be right now. Even if they had had Tua, I don't know if they if they had gotten to the playoffs if they were good enough to to do any damage. So I think they're right actually where they should be. I think Michigan has improved a lot throughout the year. Um, I still think that they have a question mark at quarterback. Um, Shea has played a lot better, but he's not a world beater. Um, and so, honestly, right now, when, you, when you're talking about Alabama with their uh, backup quarterback, it's interesting because you have a backup quarterback who's not really proven, but Alabama's receiving core is ridiculous. Like, every single person on that receiving core team is an NFL pick in, like, next year or the year after. They're really good. 
as long as he gets them the ball, that's really what matters in this game. But Michigan, I think, honestly, top to bottom, might actually be a better team at this point, or at least is playing better. Um, so I might give the uh, edge to Michigan in, in this game in an upset. Oh, did we lose you? Yeah, I'm still here. Okay. You hear me? Oh, yes. Okay, cool. No, I was saying because um, Auburn, uh, also Auburn, and I think it's going to be Minnesota in the, uh, I think, Outback Bowl. So that's going to be interesting. Yes. Yeah, I mean, similar um, in that these teams are good but not quite great. So Auburn um, has a, a solid defense. Um, their quarterback is a freshman and he's inconsistent. Like one game he might pull it out and the next game he looks kind of mediocre. Uh, Minnesota is the upstart team. Um, I think Minnesota is very talented, um, but it's kind of, I think it's going to be a, kind of a clash of football philosophies. Um, I think that's going to be a close game, but I think I'm going to give the edge to operate in that one. All right, so uh, we'll touch base on terms of the actual New Year's uh, games as we go forward into the um, next week as everything is going to get complicated in terms of the bold picture, but the top four teams are pretty much going to be set at this point, and then we also have all the bowls that we got to review about some of the hot matchups, so we'll start to dive in next week. Uh, next week is our last podcast of the year, and then we're going to take a hiatus uh, the last two weeks, be back on the first week of January. So you guys got one more week for uh, to talk to us and hang out with us and things like that. And then we're going to basically take a break during the Christmas, New Year's break so everybody can go get some fluids and get excited all for the Christmas season. All right. Um, Holly, um, so thanks for coming in. Uh, I know Luis has got a bail as well, so – Really appreciate it. Um, touch base next week, and then we're going to be on a two-week break, so that's kind of exciting to spend some time with family and uh, enjoy the new year. Thanks, Definitely. I see you guys next week. All right. Bean, thanks again. A great time in Vegas. Really appreciate it. Thanks for all your hard work and for the whole committee as well. Thank you. Have a good one. Bye. All right, guys, uh, that was Luis Bean and Holly Custis. And what a weekend we had over in Vegas as well. So uh, college football-wise, I mean, a lot of things to talk about. But the Heisman Trophy race is uh, really what everybody's kind of eyeing right now. So Joe Burrow, as uh, Holly alluded here, Justin Fields, Chase Young, uh, Jalen Hurts are the ones that are probably going to be heading to New York at this point. And we will find out exactly which one of those folks is going to get the Heisman Trophy in 2019, it really looks like the front-running team is going to be LSU. Depending on how that ends up in terms of the final championship, it's going to be one of those things where one of those individuals is going to get that award. Um, if we go into the NFL realm of things at this point, we have a lot of things to talk about, especially the uh, week. It's week the week 15 coming up here, and that means uh, everything's getting heated now because we only have a couple weeks left in the season. So teams are starting to scratch and crawl right to get to the playoff in January, set up the wild card situation. So 
it's going to be really, really crucial at this point. So the season has been no different when it comes to the NFC being like the focal point here where the Niners uh, went from a, you know, supposed to be rebuilt. They get Emmanuel Sanders, and all of a sudden they become a little powerhouse. Kittle comes back from injury. Uh, the run game's working well with Coleman. Uh, so at this point, it looks like they look like Atlanta of two years ago when uh, the coach Shanahan uh, was actually in Atlanta. And so the entire season here, has been one of those uh, where they've played every type of game you can think of, fast-paced game. You've played short, short, crucial game. This past weekend, they played a real crucial uh, close game against the Saints on the last play, pretty much field goal win. So, uh, so as they continue to exchange blows with Seattle, and more than likely they will end up meeting the New Orleans Saints once again uh, as to take field uh, home field advantage. So the Packers would now like uh, pretty much to go to number two seed if the uh, Niners, uh, after the Niners against the Saints victory in week 14. So we're looking at, at this point, it would be between four teams and the Vikings aren't far behind. So currently in a wildcard spot, but uh, obviously they need to do what they need to do. So coming up this next weekend, it looks like some crucial games are here. I think Thursday night's kind of a wash because I think the Ravens are way better than the Jets, but the Jets have surprised in a lot in a couple of weeks back as well. So we'll see if the Ravens play down or if they're going to stay at the same level. They're on a high level right now. Then Sunday night, it's a crucial AFC game here. So Bills against Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh really looking to uh, improve on their season. The Bills secretly coming up and trying to make a run for a wild card, which would be great considering the Patriots are kind of sliding offensively. And then Monday night, you've got Indianapolis taking on the Saints. Saints looking to rebound from that, uh, you know, loss to the Niners at home. They get another crack at Indianapolis. Indianapolis coming in here, trying to make a, a game of it, and we'll see if they can take down the Saints. So with only three regular season games remaining, uh, let's go who, who sits where and where they're going to be at. So let's rank the teams who have a viable shot at taking one of the two wildcard spots in the NFC based on opportunity right now. So if you look at the wildcard rankings, Seattle is 10 and three. They would be projected as number five seed. So at one point this season, San Francisco was the lone undefeated team for a long time, for almost nine weeks, I believe. And since they have dropped two games with one of them being to the Seahawks, losing to the Ravens then kicked the door open for Seattle who went, on to win five in a row to walk through and take the lead in the NFC West. They did just that when they defeated the Vikings to match the Niners' record, overtaking um, overtaking at this point the latter because of the win in Week 10. Uh, so this knocked down the Niners into the wildcard chase for the first time this season, but that didn't last long, of course, following a great win in New Orleans that pushed the Saints out of the number one spot and a loss by the Seahawks to the Rams uh, puts the Seahawks shoehorn into a wild card seat. So the Seahawks now really a must win for them in terms of getting something done. So they face Carolina on the road. It's something that they got to look at. They must win in Carolina. So that would set the stage for the rematch in week 17 between the Seahawks and the Niners, which might decide home field advantage in the NFC, but the Seahawks are uh, a lock to at least be a wild card team they got to just win and do their thing. Um, so the 
final three games for them is the Carolina Panthers, the Arizona Cardinals, and, of course, the San Francisco 49ers. As we go to the next number six seed, as, per, as we stand right now in the NFC, the added question for Seattle and the Niners is really simple. Whoever lands in the wild card, will they, will they be the number five or number six seed? The Vikings have played really good ball this season. They have a great chance to reach and take the NFC North and leave uh, pretty much a playoff berth behind altogether. But they suffered a setback regarding uh, this former week. They found themselves uh, square up against the Seahawks on Monday night and gave them a run for their money. But loss, uh, Dalvin Cook left field with injury. The loss cost them a tiebreaker against Seattle and put them in one and a half games back of the Packers. Having also lost to Green Bay in week two, the Vikings now needs a collapse by the Packers and a surge of their own to win the division. So crucial uh, necessity on both sides. And the NFC North is now more likely they will secure a wildcard spot instead of a NFC North crown. And downing the Lions in week 14 would help their cause as well. So they will have the Chargers, the Packers, and the Bears, which are all winnable games for the Vikings if they can somehow overcome that and make it a better interesting situation for them. So my Rams are completely out at this point. They're eight and five. Uh, they're getting hot at the right time, but it is too little too late. This isn't the same team that we saw tear down opponents in 2018, but they've done enough to remain a somewhat of a wild card spot contender. Their win over the Cardinals in week 12 was very impressive. And it's a, it was a good morale booster for them. And they haven't lost two games in a row since October. So at this point, um, given the win against the Seahawks, they, they can compete against top teams if they want to. It's a matter of whether they really want to show up. The likelihood of the Rams finding a way to win the NFC West is not impossible, but exceedingly pretty much a difficult task. That leaves only a wildcard spot, but they need the Vikings to fall flat to make, the, to make it into the, uh, the tournament. It's now uh, pretty much Sean McVay's whether he's able to do what he's got to do and appear in another Super Bowl. So it's a run for him now. So it's a new season, uh, three, three weeks left. Can Los Angeles at this point, can they beat the Cowboys this coming week, which is very good. The way they've played the last two weeks, if they play their game, they got to beat the Cowboys. Then they get the finish to two rivals. They get against San Francisco. They'll get to face the Niners one more time, and they will get to face the Arizona Cardinals one more time. Two difficult games to end their season. Even if they get past the Cowboys, they will have a, you know, rivalry, rivalry matchups the last two weeks, and that is going to be a crucial state for them. So it's a matter of whether they can beat San Francisco and Arizona because if they can take care of Dallas, that puts them pretty much uh, in the driver's seat for them to figure out if they're able to take down uh, 49ers in Arizona. And if the Seahawks somehow fall to Carolina, that puts a twist on everything also. Philadelphia, 6-7, and uh, projection is to be out. So it's almost like the Eagles found a way to get broken by their own bye week having entered into a two-game winning streak only to suffer three consecutive losses following those two weeks of rest. So losing to the Patriots and the Seahawks is one thing, but allowing the Dolphins to hang 37 points on them in a week where you can regain a share of the NFC East is completely just not good. And it truly put their back against the wall in December. Their saving grace 
The Cowboys also riding a current three-game slide, but Dallas owns the tiebreaker against Philly from a blowout win in week seven. So scraping out a win against the Giants on Monday night keeps them breathing down the Cowboys' neck, and truly at this point it's a win-or-go-home rematch between the two in week 16. So the road for uh, Philadelphia is they have to basically win out. So they got to beat the Redskins, they got to beat the Cowboys one more time, and they got to beat the Giants again. So they got to basically win out. They can't afford to lose. Chicago is at projected as out seven and six. Things was quietly, uh, you know, turn around for them. But the Bears have won four of the last five. There's still obvious questions regarding Trubisky, who seems to finally have now come into his own and has helped the Bears pick up apart the Cowboys to avoid losing uh, ground in the wildcard race. Uh, so time will tell at this point how inconsistent the Bears' offense will be uh, in absolute um, figure out whether they're able to get anything done. So a big test is coming in Week 15, by the way, of a clash with uh, Aaron Rodgers. So like the Rams, the Bears are striking at the right time, but their midseason woes might end up being too much to overcome. It's all said and done in December if they can't get some wins. They must also face the Chiefs and the Vikings, to finish the year, making uh, for them the toughest final stretch, obviously, for the season. So division leaders at this point, pretty simple. We have Dallas at 6-7. and seven. Everybody, uh, you know, social media, over on television, everybody's saying, how can you have, like, an 8-7 an and seven or 9-7 and seven team win the division? It's happened in the past. It's not the first common thing. Uh, but here's a team that doesn't have to worry about battling for home field advantage in 2019. Instead, the Cowboys – are simply have sole ownership of the top spot in the NFC East. And that's thanks to, obviously, the Eagles not having a good, impressive, you know, run. So only one team in the division will get a playoff spot, and the Cowboys look to have that. Probably the reason Jason Garrett still has a job. I'm just saying, McKenzie, just if you're listening, probably the reason that uh, Jason Garrett's going to survive another season in Dallas. Both the Eagles and Redskins, in order to uh, – figure that out have already lost to the bears and now um they get to face the rams so considering the moral boost needed in dallas beating the rams is now mandatory especially if they want to establish some sort of momentum going into january for the playoffs so they get the rams they get the eagles and they get the redskins so three winnable games if they step their game up at this point it would be jason garrett for another season in 2020 if all these things pan out, if they lose to the Rams and somehow lose to the Eagles and somehow end up losing to the Redskins, maybe that'll force Jerry Jones to fire Jason Garrett. Uh, so we'll, we'll see how, what happens there, but that's where we're at. And green Bay would be in the NFC North. So it seems likely forever. Uh, at this point, Aaron Rodgers was the problem. And now we've got, we've basically have, a different scenario here. They have to take the NFC North while having a shot at stealing home field advantage. Um, it's to dismiss the Bears in Week 15 and then run through the remaining two division rivals to finish off the season strong. So at this point, it would be against Chicago, their rival against the Vikings and Lions. So the Packers finish off the season in their division. So there's no excuses for them. If they can beat the Bears, if they can beat the Vikings, the toughest test would probably be the Vikings. But the Bears and Lions are beatable at this point based on what we know. And so hopefully they will take advantage of that. San Francisco on the other side now becomes the number one seed as they obviously beat the Saints. 
the victory pushing them back on top of the NFC West and, and the NFC as a total whole. They're now locked into a spot between Seattle on a weekly basis from here on out with the loser being re- relegated to playing visitor in January for a wildcard battle. The win in New Orleans and the loss by Seattle shook things up in a major way, and things are made that much more interesting for them, noting that the Packers and their 10-3 and record as well. The good news for the Niners is while they don't own the tiebreaker against Seattle, they do against the Saints and the Packers. But getting cocky, obviously, against the Falcons is not an option. So unless they outright collapse and other teams with the nearby record table um, run the table, of course, the Niners are going to be in, and they get home field advantage. So the Niners will face Atlanta this next next week, the final three. They take on the Rams and Seahawks. So they finish the season in the division, and we'll see how they fare out there. The Saints, the loss to the Falcons at home early in the season, obviously puts a damper on them, and it looms as large as they chased the Niners and attempted to stay ahead of the Packers. Had they defeated the Falcons, the Saints would, would have find themselves tied with the 49ers after also losing to the San Francisco in the Superdome. But the loss instead pushes them out of the top NFC spot and into the number three seed, despite them having already clinched the NFC South. That latter simply means they can, they can take the solos and know that they're the first team in the conference to secure a seat for the run to the Super Bowl. So at this point, uh, they own the tiebreaker against Seattle, but not San Francisco, making another uh, matchup into the top spot. And so the Saints will have to finish up with the Colts, the Titans, and the Panthers. All winnable games by the Saints, given everything they've done. Uh, I know the Panthers have played them tough. So it's going to be interesting to see how um, the Saints fare at this point um, with themselves and how the playoff run's going to be in terms of the NFC. So there's an NFC picture altogether put together as well. So we'll go to the AFC at this point a little bit into week 15. So with just three weeks to go in the regular season, uh, the AFC picture looks like this. So unlike the NFC, where the playoff teams are pretty much set and are really just fighting for seeding at the moment, there's the potential for massive movement in the AFC. So the Ravens and Chiefs were able to clinch their respective divisions already, so they've sealed their run. But both clubs are still fighting for positioning atop the conference. Who's going to be the top dog in the AFC? If the season ended today, Baltimore would be the number one seed following the Patriots, Chiefs, Texans, Bills, and Steelers. Bills and Steelers uh, are going to face each other at this point, and that's going to be on Sunday night, the Bills and, and Steelers crucial matchup there at this point then the then it's going to be Jets at the Ravens crucial matchup if the Ravens lose that also sets up I mean they're already in the tournament that just sets up another scenario for another team so the Titans would be the club just on the outside of the picture but there is a number a number of other teams that haven't pretty much a way to get in in the next few weeks so let's go look into this at this point so the wild card race the quiet Low under under the radar bills as I was talking to Holly earlier. Despite Buffalo's loss to the Ravens in Week 14, they still have the inside track at the wild card spot in the conference with the one game lead over the rest of the pack. So it's a pivotal week for the Bills as they go to Pittsburgh, who are just a game behind in the standings. So if Buffalo falls to Pittsburgh on Sunday Night Football, that would start sending them into the wrong direction. They would then lose the number five seed to the Steelers, who would own the head-to-head tiebreaker. Not only that, but they have an extremely tough uh, fall, uh, tough couple weeks 
they got to travel to New England to face the Patriots, who is clinging on to a top seed. And then Buffalo would need a dig deep to make the postseason. So uh, Callie Branson and her Buffalo Bills out there, really a little bit of work to do. They get to get the Steelers. They go at the, on the road against Pittsburgh, and they finish up with the Jets. Pittsburgh, on the other hand, 8-5 and five currently, as we mentioned uh, above. The Steelers have a tremendous opportunity in front of them in Week 15 when they take on the Buffalo Bills. A win would bring them up to the number five seed and give them the head-to-head tiebreaker over Buffalo. Not only that, it would extend their conference percentage, winning percentage, tiebreaker over Tennessee, which they own at the moment. So after uh, this game, they have a rather easy contest against the Jets, and we'll see how the Jets fare this week against the Ravens, of course, in New York. And then the Ravens would could very well be resting their stars in Week 17 if they can pull off the victory on Thursday night this weekend. So we're looking at the bill at the Bills, at the Jets, and at the Ravens. So for Pittsburgh, it's pretty much that simple. It's got to win it out. They should be able to win it out on all three games. Maybe not the Ravens, but two out of the three. So Tennessee, it's eight and five. They are there is there is arguably no team hotter right now than the Tennessee Titans. They moved to six and one with Ryan Tannehill as their starter after a forty-two to twenty-one dismantling of the Oakland Raiders. Now they are knotted with the Texans for the AFC South lead and will play them twice over the next final weeks. So this is a really great matchup in terms of rivals. The next two weeks, this is it. It's going to be Texans versus Titans. The only reason Tennessee isn't higher on the wildcard ranking is due to Buffalo having a game edge over them in the standings, along with the Steelers owning a tiebreaker there, which makes their road a bit tougher. But this is a battle of what? Former Texans teams. The Tennessees came from Houston. Houston, uh, the Texans are now in Houston, so but also that makes it for an interesting storyline as well for that. So a loss there would really dampen um, for them if they kind of go through and, lose, and lose here. So they have the Texans, the Saints, and at the Texans again. So they, the, the crucial the crucial games for Tennessee to really make a statement here. So they got to beat Houston twice, and they got to take care of business against New Orleans. The Browns are out. So after defeating the Bengals. Uh, This past week, the Browns now own the tiebreaker over Indianapolis and Oakland based on conference winning percentage. The offense that looked better as of late with uh, Landry and Hunt, but Odell still hasn't been able to get things going. So now there's uh, apparently rumblings, as we talked at the beginning of the show, uh, kind of discontent from Odell Beckham side of things, which could bubble up even more over the next few weeks. Outside of owning the tiebreakers, Cleveland doesn't feel like a legit playoff threat, especially with the Ravens and even Cardinals still on the schedule. So they play the Cardinals, then they'll play the Ravens, and they finish up their season in Ohio against the Bengals. The Raiders are pretty much out. The only reason why Oakland isn't lower on this list is because of their head-to-head tiebreaker advantage over the Colts. After looking like a good playoff team earlier in the year, John Gruden's team has completely fallen apart losing three straight in a rather embarrassing fashion. They've been outscored 116 to 33 over this last three, three games. And they, they have rather an easy remaining schedule, but they'll need to have some serious mustering if they want to get through it. They get the Jaguars this coming week. They go to the Chargers and they finish up at the Broncos in their own division. So the Colts, India isn't mathematically out of the playoffs, but they still certainly need a lot of help securing that final spot with likely needing to win out. Their most recent loss to the Bucks didn't help them. And, of, of, of course, uh, they have lost the head-to-head tiebreaker against Oakland. 
That's not even mentioning that this team is pretty banged up at the moment. You have to give uh, Coach uh, Frank Wright a lot of credit for getting this team to where they're at, especially when we heard at the beginning of the year that Andrew Luck was not coming back. So at this point, we're looking at they're gonna they have to face the Saints on the road. They take care they got to take care of the Panthers at home, and they finish up with the Jaguars at home. Denver, on the other hand, is making a little nice little run for themselves with the uh, rookie quarterback Drew Locke. Uh, obviously, Flacco's out. He's 2-0 and as a starter and even was able to take down the Houston Texans with week, in Week 14. Over the over these past two games, he's completed 72.7 of his passes for 443 yards, five TDs and two picks. They would need a miracle, actually, to make the playoffs after the Chiefs already locked up the division. But uh, Locke is in season promising. It's a promising thing for 2020 at this point for the Broncos. So they would take on the Chiefs at on the road. The Lions and the Raiders. Lions and Raiders winnable games for the for Broncos, and even the Chiefs is a winnable game. So they could kind of make a statement here, especially with their new quarterback here. It would be a good showing for them, even if they didn't make the playoffs. It would be a good finish for them to figure that out. So the division leaders as we stand today, Baltimore at 11-2. and two, So not much has changed here with the Ravens. They were able to beat the Bills in Buffalo in Week 14 to keep the uh, top seed in the conference. And, and even extended that lead following New England's loss to Kansas City. Now it seems like the AFC Championship appearance would be, uh, you know, potential maybe injuries, so you got to stay healthy. team did say on Monday that quarterback uh, Lamar Jackson is dealing with a quad injury, but it doesn't sound too serious. With the win over the Jets on Thursday night, they could start to consider maybe resting their starters. So they will take on the Jets, the Browns, and the Steelers. Probably a good idea. Even if a backup quarterback does their thing, more than likely it could be, uh, you know, Lamar Jackson for two quarters, get a lead, and then maybe throw in a second-string quarterback in there just to finish the season. So that would be kind of insulting for the Jets, Browns, and Steelers, but a great benefit for the Ravens. Uh, Ten and three New England Patriots. So at the moment, the Patriots still have the number two seed in the AFC. That said, they are now in position to lose if they are not careful over the next three weeks, thanks to their most recent loss versus the Chiefs. The Chiefs now own the own head-to-head tiebreaker over them. If they end the season with the same record, it'll be Kansas City who enjoys the first round bye while the Pats are playing on the wild card weekend, which is kind of weird. Most of the time the Pats are actually on the bye. So the good news is that they have an easy final three weeks of the year. They'll play the Bengals in Cincinnati before hosting the Bills and Dolphins as long as they win out. They'll be the number two seed. So anything can happen. The Dolphins have always played them pretty tough. Uh, the Bengals could surprise at this point, and the Bills could surprise. So it's not an easy road for um, at this point for the Patriots. So the West, the Chiefs are 9-4. and four. As we mentioned, Kansas City has put itself in a strong position to overtake the Patriots as the number two seed in the conference following that win on Sunday. They'll need either the Bengals, the Bills, or the Dolphins to knock off the Patriots to continue to win out. Their schedule isn't as kind as New England's as they'll have to face a surging Denver team next week, along with a road trip to Chicago to take on the Bears in Week 16. So they get Broncos, Bears, and Chargers at this point. And then Houston, it's hard to figure out what kind of team the Texans are. They play great one week, and then they, so, so they come down the next week. So after they beat New England in Week 13, they look like a real good threat in the AFC. But following a loss to the Broncos, we're starting to rethink whether, you know, they're up and down, they're hot, heckle and jekyll. So Houston also has an interesting remaining schedule, starting with a crucial game against the Titans, with the winner set to take first place in the AFC South. If the Texans aren't careful, they'll begin to free fall at this point, given their performances of late. 
So they're going to be taking on at the Titans, and then they're going to go to the Buccaneers and at the Titans. So at this point, really two important games in, within the division, and then they got to take on the Buccaneers at this point also. So there's the playoff rundown in terms of the AFC and NFC. Uh, crucial games coming up this weekend, two key games, Bears-Packers we just mentioned. Uh, that's going to be a crucial game for the seeding. Seattle against Carolina, so a must-win for Seattle there. Texans on Titans, what, what a battle. Eagles, Redskins, not as a, you know, a marquee matchup, but it is a crucial must-win for the Eagles, not so much for the Redskins. Denver, Kansas City, can the Broncos, with their new quarterback under center here, can they take care of business and take down Mahomes and the Chiefs, which would give uh, the Patriots, if they went out, some advantage. The Rams will be taken on Dallas. It's a must-win for Los Angeles here to stay in contention. Dallas, literally uh, not a big deal if they lose. I mean, it's a big deal either way, but if they lose, it's not going to be a huge thing because they pretty much lead the division at this point, so they would be able to kind of like not be so bad. But for the Rams, it would be horrible because they would basically take away a wildcard berth opportunity. Atlanta taking Frisco. So Houston, uh, maybe not. Falcons taking on the Niners. This is a crucial game for the Niners coming off that big win in the Saints. It's a must win for them to keep on top of the NFC. So really, really important matchups there coming up this weekend. And Thursday night, Jets, Ravens. Then you got Sunday night, Bills, Steelers. And then Monday night, you have Colts and Saints. So if you guys haven't checked out our Zazzle shop, uh, go to the Zazzle.com forward slash Grand Iron Beauties. Get up to 20% off there, leggings, T-shirts, tank tops, everything else. If you don't buy anything from us, no big deal. A lot of specials on Zazzle, Marvel, Disney, hot name brands there as well. You can customize anything on Zazzle. You get free shipping if you subscribe and you uh, pay about $10, $9.99 for Zazzle Black, and you get free shipping for the entire year, so it's a great deal there. I want to give a shout-out to um, two of our no-joke football athletes, uh, Ellie Metzola from Finland of the Helsinki Roosters and the Loyal Leon, uh, Lionesses uh, over in Finland, our new, new no-joke football athlete. And then also want to give a shout-out to Anna Butanina of the Moscow Sirens out there in Russia, and so and all our, our other athletes as well. So we got over 25 athletes now sporting our brand, making awareness come to women's American football via our no-joke football brand. So, you know, shout-out to Christy Moran, Lauren Evans, uh, Anna Garza, Michelle Marshall, Lani Lopez, Smooth Laurie Jones, Lexi Demio, Amanda Ewers, Stacey Jackson, uh, J.R. Floyd, Tatiana Blaze. Um, you got uh, Aurora Turlock, Brooke Leash, uh, Cassie Cubis. Uh, we also have uh, Kelsey Cristiano, Nadia Bono, Sasha Cruz, Phoebe Sketcher, and we also have uh, Carly Harmon, Emma Diaz, Kristen Moore and Renee Hahn out there as well. So a lot of athletes supporting our brand. I really appreciate it. Check out the uh, No Joke Football page on Facebook at No Joke Football, on Instagram at No Joke Football, and check out and use the Shop Now links, get your gear, and use Zazzle Black for free shipping. So if you missed anything during the week, uh, don't know what's going on, need to know what's going on, a lot of stuff happened in the women's game this whole time. And if you didn't know it, uh, women do play American football, and they were playing it this weekend. Big, big weekend for women's American football. While I was in Vegas uh, in a, at a great event with some amazing ballers playing from the East and the West team, 
and some amazing people that made the uh, event happen to the committee. So shout out to all, all the committee members out there for an amazing weekend of Women's American Football from December 4th all the way down to December 7th. It was a great event out there. Shout out to Brian Sweeney for awesome calls on there and for, to San Diego Digital Imagery for the nice live stream. If you haven't seen the game, you go to Women's, uh, Women's Football Hall of Fame on Facebook. You go to the hub at facebook.com for slash grand beauties. You can get the link there as well. And then we had amazing games happen this weekend uh, over in Mexico as well. Just an amazing uh, weekend of ballers everywhere in the world this weekend. Uh, couldn't keep up with it. I was over in Vegas, and I was just, like, just getting snowballed with uh, alerts, everything else. So, you know, Gridiron New South Wales had uh, the playoffs there as well. Sydney Uni, uh, they fall 28-16 to the dominant UNSW Raiders. So the Raiders return to the Opal Bowl this next week, December 14th, after a year off. They will be facing Northern Sydney. You get the big highlights there from courtesy of Sydney Uni American Football Club of the weekend that happened over in Australia. The other uh, thing you get is the Hype Opal Bowl Championship promo. You get it at the hub at Facebook.com. So go check it out. UNSW Raiders ready for another Opal Bowl championship. They have owned the Great Iron New South Wales League. They continue, and they want to continue their legacy at this point. Um, the other game was North Sydney Gridiron taking on the Neopan Ducks, and that was also in the uh, realm of New South Wales. And it was a great event there as well. And uh, so you get the still photos out there. Shout out to Alfred Wong for his amazing photos of the event. And then uh, congratulations to the MVP for the women's semifinal for the Northern Sydney, and that was the talented Pierre Pritchard. She was just great, and what an amazing talent there she is. The other event that happened was in Mexico. There was a couple events in Mexico that were happening, but one of the events that happened was the uh, National Under-18 Championship, and that was a tournament championship. And congratulations out there in, um, I believe, Nuevo Leon. Nuevo Leon, that's where the event was. Congratulations to all the girls out there. You can get the live feed as well, the video, and everything that happened there as well. Europe and in Mexico City, we have highlights thanks uh, to Football Femme Mexico out there and giving us the coverage as well. It was the Mexican national uh, combined squad there taking on Europe Warriors women, courtesy of you get the still photos of the talented Andrea, and she's awesome, Andrea Romero, and uh, playing against the uh, Europe Warriors. You also get the recap on everything that's happening in the men's game with uh, San Francisco's big win as well. It's a game week also in Amsterdam, as this is the game week for them. Queen's uh, Football League will be scheduling it. So this weekend we have the week one matchup, Rotterdam Ravens taking on the 030 Wolverines. And then the second game is Amsterdam Cats taking on the Good Black Wolfpack. And you get the uh, event scheduled there at the hub at facebook.com forward slash beauties. Thank you to Tercer Cuarto, our network partner, for giving us some feedback on the event that happened in Mexico City uh, against the Warriors. The Mexican team won 20-0 versus the Europe Warriors. Uh, everybody had a great time. I got messages from everybody at the event. Uh, thank you to everybody that was uh, contributing and collaborating with us as I was in Vegas. Really helpful, very helpful and, and coordinating everything else. Just like I told the team, uh, Team West, before we went out to the game, this is a moment. Um, it's 
it's a devotion on our part, it's a passion on our part, no different than theirs, and it is something that we strive for on everyday basis and a weekly basis. And I can't stress enough uh, to give a shout-out to all our network partners that we built this huge thing for over almost 10 years now. So shout-out to everybody out there that supplies us the information to bring relevance uh, to the women's game on every level in terms of the national scope and international scope. So Tercer Cuarto, uh, awesome. There's a recap there of the uh, win by the Mexican team, 20-0 to zero against the Europe Warriors. You're also going to get the link to our podcast there as well. And the other uh, event that happened is in the U.S. and Texas, IWFA Championship Premier League Week 1. Two of our awesome athletes, Nojo football athletes, Leilani Lopez and Ms. Cheryl Marshall, just killing it uh, as they took on her, their Austin legends, taking on the RGV Lynx in Leander, Texas. And that was awesome. You get to get the still photos there, courtesy of Ralph. Alverson, what an amazing photographer he is in capturing the moments there of both uh, our athletes there. What an amazing um, way to capture it. The other event happened over in Cancun. That was the American Football Events Cancun All-Stars, and that was uh, uh, the Asafe AC Selection Squad taking on the American Football U.S. Events All-Stars. Uh, smooth, smooth Laurie Jones. We had, uh, I think, Sasha Cruz out there as well over in Mexico. Two of our no-joke football athletes as well out there. And so they're having a great time in Cancun. There's a great article, if you guys get to check it out, uh, sbnation.com did a great article on the girls, 51 reasons it's time to stop treating women and girls in football like sideshows. So it's an opportunity to read it, take advantage of it, plenty of opportunity for young girls now. So it is a moment to elevate our game at the next level. So WNFC, WFA needs to really make an impact here 2020 and beyond as the uh, feeder system that is coming through here at some point down the road, we are going to get feeder system in high schools. And then eventually we're going to get to that level where they're going to be at the next college level, but we're not there yet. But currently right now, a lot of talented uh, girls to the next phase to make all these leagues a lot more relevant. So going forward, big responsibility for WNFC, WFA and all the other leagues that promote women's tackle football, not just in the U.S., but internationally as well. So great article there on SBNation.com. So check it out on our uh, Facebook page at Gridiron Beauties. Uh, Spotlighted by the champions of the Brazilian League, uh, the Curitiba Silver Hawks, really great on YouTube. So it was kind of a spotlight and a tribute to them for their 2019 championship. So you can go check it out at the hub at Facebook.com forward slash Gridiron Beauties. You also get to see live video, courtesy of TS Video, and thank you to them. That's another partner of us. Uh, they were taking care of the FX Mexico Championship. Leona's Feminil uh, Edge, the Dragones Rojos, 19-12 to 12, to win the 2019 FX Mexico Championship. You get to hear it on there with the TS, TS Video as well uh, at, the, at the hub at facebook.com forward slash squareironbeauties. The other event that happened was the 2019 Lexpro Arena Championship, Division II Championship, as Toritos edge 25-24 over the Rhinos, courtesy of Tercer Cuarto. Once again, what a great event that happened there. All this weekend, guys, just, just think about this. It's got to blow your mind, okay? December 7th, historic day in 2019, international just international events happening everywhere. 
while we're in Vegas having the Hall of Fame game, the induction ceremony, there was international action everywhere, Mexico, Australia, you name it. Uh, Europe team was playing in Mexico. What a huge event, Lexfa, three, cha- uh, three championships in Lexfa, FX Mexico. And you also had the, the under-18 championship in Nuevo Leon. Just an amazing weekend, a women's great iron, and it just happened so, so quickly. And thank you, like I said, I can't stress enough, thank you to all the network partners that uh, helped me out while I was in Vegas, trying to work it out with the weekend and everything. It was just a fun weekend and also feeding us information of what's happening there as well. So you can catch all the Lexfa action, all of it, courtesy of Tercer Cuarto. It was Division One, I, I mean Division Two, Division Three, and Division Four. So you can get to see it all live, courtesy of Tercer Cuarto, one of the best network partners that we have in terms of we work with. So Tercer Cuarto, test Video as well, did an amazing job to capture all those moments as well. So that was Division Two, II, Division Three. You had um, Division Four. Uh, Gladiators winning 25-14 versus Gators. And at the hub, if you go right there, you get to watch the whole the whole video of what happened there, as well as the Women's Hall of Fame game. So you get to watch it there. We also have still photos, courtesy of the Northern Raiders, uh, of their Vic Bowl championship. So Lady Raiders 54 defeated the Western Crusaders 26. A huge statement. Great run for them this year. What an amazing job over there in gridiron. Um, Victoria as the Northern Raiders capture their championship as well. We get some great still photos taken by Valentina Milan Melendez. And so that was of the uh, Europe Warriors versus Mexico as well. So it's a huge event. The uh, event over in Las Vegas plus the event in Mexico, really, really happy that we were able to, you know, coordinate that together as well. What an event, Mexico, U.S. It was a huge uh, weekend for women's great iron as well. Don't forget, as you go into 2020, WNFC, uh, is, if you've got 20 bucks, you can go and subscribe to WNFC Mobile, WC Mobile on the go. It's about 20 bucks. Uh, the link is there on our page. So check it out for 2020. The WNFC will broadcast on national television next spring on YouTube America. So don't miss any of the action. WNFC on the go, WNFC on the go channel courtesy of U2 America. So check it out there as well. Uh, the other event that happened was in Thomas Lipas, and you get the action there as well. That was Football Americano Thomas Lipas, Fedet. And then you, if you missed the live stream of the American Football Events Women's Team USA event in, in Cancun at the Caribbean Bowl, uh, you get to watch it via livestream.com and um, courtesy of Steve Weed Productions. So you click the link there and you can watch it. It was a great event as well. So, uh, the replay of the Women's Football Hall of Fame, East versus West in Las Vegas, uh, courtesy of San Diego Digital Imagery for their outstanding broadcast. East, in a tough battle, lose 28-20, and the West earns their third victory in a row. It was a great weekend for us. Got to meet an amazing, talented individuals, uh, pioneers, Hall of Famers, and then also an amazing um, all-stars from all over the country. And we got to, got to share some stories and kind of chit-chat and everything else. So it was really great. On top of that, the uh, historic international inductee, which was Japanese legend Hiroku Betty Suzuki, which we talked to here in the last hour. So it was really uh, 20 years in the sport. And she was also featured by Yahoo Japan, which was really cool. And we had reporters there at the ceremony. So it made it more exciting. Um, the other thing we, we had is a big picture of the New York Wolves. 
shout out to Daniela Ayala out there. What a great uh, game that she played out there as quarterback on the East. Made a great statement out there. Played her butt off all game. So a shout out to the New York Wolves for uh, spotlighting the East team out there. Uh, also Ellie Mazzola uh, playing hard out out there. So she really they got to meet her. She's a really outstanding woman and a talented athlete at that. And Andrea Romero supplied us some photos from the Mexico event as well, and you'll get to see them there at the hub. So a lot of people coordinated with us and try to make the event happy and try to make it happen. So between the, Hall, the Women's Hall of Fame event and the international event that happened between uh, Europe Warriors and Team Mexico, as well as the AFE event in Cancun with the AFE Stars and the Alfasi Stars, uh, what a great weekend here between Mexico, United States, also in Australia. Uh, just, just an amazing, uh, just amazing Saturday. It was a huge Saturday. Uh, I cannot be more proud. Thank you to everybody that uh, coordinates with us, networks with us, and gives us the feeds, the video, the links, the stories, everything that's happening. If you miss anything, don't know where to go, where to be, you go to the hub at facebook.com forward slash crime beers. We're at 7,200 strong. Make sure you share our page. Share it with everybody to like our page. We want to get to 10,000. Make another impact. We're at 21,000 strong right now, both on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Let's get to 10,000 because if we get to 10,000, we literally will get to another level, which would be almost close to 30,000 fanatics understanding and knowing that women play American football and they play it at a high level internationally as well as domestically. So check it out there. So um, there's some photos that I took at the Women's Football Hall of Fame that I uploaded at the Great Iron Beauties page as well. Uh, congratulations to all of them. I got to meet uh, a lot of the players, um, WNFC COO Elizabeth um, Dillo Jenkins. I got to see the WNFC CEO, which is uh, Odessa Jenkins, Andrea Douglas, Stacey, uh, Stacey Agee, uh, the, the Beast, Tella from the Utah Falcons. What an amazing uh, woman she is and also great baller on, on the field. Also Jody Redlander. Got to meet Shelly Hewitt, uh, Deanna Guidry, uh, just a lot of the a lot of the amazing inductees that went into the Women's Hall of Fame at this point. If you want to uh, get the information and, and get the still photos uh, of the Northern Ra- Northern Lady Raiders championship with, uh, versus the Western Crusaders, check it out. Go to follow Northern Raiders and you get everything detailed there. What a great event for them and congratulations again to the Vic Bowl 2019 Women's Champion, the Northern Lady Raiders. So uh, all the articles, everything that's happening, including uh, the Italian League, which is not closed out, but we'll go ahead and, and kind of go through the rundown for this next week uh, in terms of the women's game. So at this point, Grand West, uh, week in December 7th, Swan City Titans fell 42-0 to over Curtin Saints. Perth Blitz 7-0 to over the West Coast Wolverines. This weekend on the 14th, the Saints we will look to make a two in a row, taking on Perth Broncos. The West Coast Wolverines will look to rebound against Swan City, two teams with some losses in the previous week. We'll see how that pans out. They have basically another three weeks left in the season before the playoffs start, so that's going to be uh, crucial for them to get some wins there at this point. December 7th, the semifinals was Rebels versus Ducks, Sydney versus UNSW, and then the final, obviously, Opo. Opa Bowl final, December 14th, coming up here. North Sydney Rebels taking on UNSW Raiders. Raiders looking for another championship. They've owned this league for a long, long time. Sydney looks to uh, get their first victory in Opa Bowl 
trying to get uh, dethrone UNSW. UNSW looking for another crown in the Opal Series. Um, and then we go to to the semifinals in Italy. Apania Unicorns, 2-1. Two and one. We'll be taking on Seaman Milano, 2-2. Two and two. Then you've got the Brave Bologna uh, Underdogs, 4-0 oh, undefeated. They will take on the Pirates Savannah, 1-2. The winner will move on to the championship, which is going to be in Milan, January 4th through the 5th. And that will be in Italy at this point. The standings there is uh, Bologna Underdogs, 4-0. Unicorns two and one, Seamen two and two, and then Pirates one and two, and United Roma. Uh, obviously, Owen Ford did not qualify for the final four uh, at this point. So um, the action uh, it's going to continue because we have December fourteenth also uh, the event Northwest Showdown, and that's going to take place up in uh, the Northwest. And that should uh, let me see my notes here consist of a couple teams. They're going to be up in the uh, Northwest. And uh, a lot of the WFA teams up there. So we'll keep you updated in terms of this week, December 14th, Northwest Showdown. It's going to be up in the Northwest as well. And so uh, the other event that was announced before we came on the air was a uh, friendly bowl that will happen on February 21, 22, and 23 of 2020 in Aguas Caliente, Mexico. LaFi, LaFi B, uh, UFAN, and as well as some other uh, uh, selections from Durango and Tamaulipas, they will be taken on um, at that tournament as well. So February 21, 22, and 23, as the event comes closer, we will give you details and it's on what's happening there as well. So congratulations to all the uh, inductees at the 2019 uh, Hall of Fame. And I had a great time. Like I said, real amazing weekend. Shout out to the committee and everybody involved to make it a success. And then shout out to the amazing players on the East and the West squads who just played an amazing game. If you didn't watch it, go back and watch it. It's a really good game. Thanks again, like I said, to uh, San Diego Sports uh, Digital Imagery. And then also thanks to Brian Sweeney for the great call on the field. If you're there live, you, you got to witness his work front and center. He does a great job with the Minnesota Vixen as well. So it was a great weekend for everybody in terms of what's happening in terms of the women's game and what we did there. So um, if you missed anything, Go to the hub at facebook.com forward slash gridiron beauties. So, guys, um, if you haven't taken advantage of our Zazzle sale, go to zazzle.com forward slash gridiron beauties. Easy click. Go to the uh, the hub page, shop now, go there. Make sure you subscribe to Zazzle Black for 10 bucks, and you can order anything off our shop. Uh, it's pretty easy, tw- up to 20% off. Sometimes you get up to 60% off. So just pay attention week to week. When the big sale comes out for 40 50 or 60% off, that's when you want to take advantage of it, especially if you already got Zazzle Black for zero shipping. So thanks again for supporting our cause and supporting our branding. Check out our Instagram as well. And if you haven't gone to our YouTube, we shared a lot of videos on YouTube. So go to YouTube and search Great Iron Beauties on YouTube, and you get a lot of shared videos that we've uploaded from everything international, worldwide as well, and people that have fed us videos as well. So uh, thanks to Holly Custis for coming in today, talking NFL and college football. Thanks to Louise Bean for showing up here and also kind of mingling in with the college football game and for a great event in Vegas. Shout out to her and the committee for doing a great job. And then also thanks to Heroku, uh, Betty Suzuki for what a legendary career, an amazing uh, athlete, and now honored in the 2019 Hall of Fame. And uh, back in her homeland, they're very proud as well as here in the States. We are proud as well. So um, I don't know what to say anymore. I'm 
kind of a great weekend. I was tired the whole week, but I, I had to come in here and do the podcast today because that's what we do because we love the sport and we love all the athletes that play the sport. So check it out at the hub at facebook.com for Sasquatch Beauties. Go to Twitter if you want daily updates on health tips and everything else. We got you covered there at Gridiron Beauty on Twitter. Uh, all right. So that's going to do it for me. I think that's kind of like what we came in to do. So 303 in the uh, 302 in the house. We got 303 coming up next week. And then we are going to take two weeks off. Uh, as of next week, we are going to be Christmas and New Year's. And we'll be back for 2020 after next week's podcast. So thanks for sharing the podcast. Really appreciate it. Thanks for sharing our links. Uh, thanks for commenting on our Facebook page as well and our Twitter feed. And um, really appreciate it. Just uh, helping us out, bring more awareness to the women's game and our laboring and our network. Once again, just to let you know, you are listening to the best podcast on the planet, on the biggest platforms in podcasts, okay, covering Women's American Football Weekly with NFL tidbits and notes. So this is the place to be. This is the podcast that you want to listen to. And at the same time, if you want to go to the hub, there it is, the number one source on the planet covering everything Women's American Football internationally and domestically and the best network on the planet. Thank you to all the network partners that we, that we work with. So we are the best network on the planet, and thanks to them, that's what makes us. So shout-out to them. Shout-out to everybody that um, shares and does our, the good job for us as well. So we'll catch you here next week. So for um, the absent uh, Mackenzie Brooks, Holly Custis, Louise Bean, and thanks again to Heroku, Betty, Suzuki for coming in. Oscar Lopez here saying have a great night. Looking forward to next week, and then we're going to have a great Christmas for everybody and New Year's. So check you out on uh, 303 next week, next Tuesday. Have a great day and great night and great evening, everybody.